1: Hey, welcome into the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr., and I'm pleased to be joined today by Jose Martinez. Hello. Hello. Thanks, thanks for, for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'll also give our guests just a fair warning. If you're hearing cartoons in the background, my son is sitting on my lap watching YouTube. So just do me a favor and, uh, you know, listen into our voices and enjoy the background music. <laughs> <laughs> so let me read. Uh, uh, Jose is the creator and host of Story Wagon, which we'll be talking about here soon. He's the associate minister at New Church Ministry for the Christian Church Disciple of Christ. So the Story Wagon organization serves as a mobile resource and listening center focused on spiritual health. The organization's goal is to provide free resources about issues such as grief, moral injury, shame, guilt, and other spiritual health issues that affect the mental health of individuals, community groups, and faith communities. In addition to offering resources, StoryWagon serves the platform for community members who want to share their story. They ensure they are providing a safe space when they are doing so by meeting people where they're at and giving the storytellers an opportunity to be heard without judgment or shame. So welcome, what else would you like our listeners to know about you?
2: Well, uh, just to let people know, um, I am a chaplain by trade, uh, and I, I'm a, a church planter, so <laughs> a couple other things that I like to do, uh, and also I'm a, a husband and uh, a father of one son.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Well, welcome, and uh, yeah, so you've probably been here where I'm at right now, literally.
2: Right, balancing, yeah, so uh, cool. <laughs> Enjoy these moments last.
1: <laughs> trying to tell myself that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see, talk about your kind of journey of faith and what, uh, how you came to the faith and what it looks like today.
2: Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, I'm Latino, uh, on top of everything else. And, you know, my uh, my family's traditionally Catholic when I was growing up when I was very little, I was baptized in the Catholic church. and mm-hmm. um, You know, being a Latino family, we're culturally Catholic and not necessarily going to mass all the time. But I remember when I was a little boy uh, going to mass with my grandmother. uh, It was all in Spanish, of course, you know, uh, because that's the language you speak to God. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was English, Jose. What? What? (laughs) What? Uh, my grandfather had a saying like uh, you speak French to the diplomats uh, Italian to the women German to the horses and to God you speak to Spanish my grandfather was funny like that yeah but um, but my mom uh, she was in the military so we we traveled around a lot around the world and um, she was a single parent and um, she met my dad um, and my dad was a Protestant Baptist person mm-hmm. he grew up um baptist and so uh we we followed suit and got into the baptist church and uh you know with the southern baptist churches you know, very, very good at um, children's ministry yeah <laughs> and so yeah i got involved with the youth group and all this other stuff and um i uh, got like baptized you know salvation sort of thing you want to start doing that and so uh in high school. And, um, and then I sort of rebelled like any other teenager and I came across, the, um, uh, independent Christian churches, which my wife was in, mm-hmm. uh, at the time she was my girlfriend. So I decided to go to church with her cause I was trying to impress her. Of course. Well, <laughs> so I got involved with the independent Christian churches and, and in college, we were involved with, uh, college ministry and we started getting into church planting at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Uh, I was planting churches, helping planting churches. I wasn't a minister. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no way I was going to be a minister uh, because in that time I joined the military. Uh uh, And I was doing my military service and I got deployed to uh, Iraq and Kuwait. And uh, I was in a C-12, which is a fixed wing aircraft, Mm -hmm. uh, flying back and forth from Iraq to Kuwait. And during that time, uh, God kind of called me into ministry. And I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Right. Of course. (laughs) Right. And so I got into seminary uh, when I came back from combat and uh, just had like this real identity crisis sort of thing because Hmm. the things that I was learning in in seminary was contradictory to everything that I learned as a conservative Christian. And I went to a very liberal seminary because I wanted to have that full spectrum of Uh, that was your first mistake right there yeah right there we go yeah Yeah. Uh, because i wanted to be a chaplain yeah (laughs) so and so um well and and during seminary i also got into the chaplain candidate program and so Mm -hmm. i was still doing my military service while i was doing that but um you know i I, my theology changed in Mm -hmm. seminary and i didn't i wasn't sitting well with theologically speaking with the conservative upbringing and so yeah i was trying to find another group of people uh, that would that didn't shun conservatives but also didn't shun liberals and progressives right. and so i was like well who who, who invites everybody to the table
3: here? ah yeah
2: <laughs> here we are christian churches disciples of christ here we and are. So, uh, yeah and so that's basically how i got to to be a chaplain with the disciples and um, I'm still in the military in the Air National Guard serving as a chaplain and um, I'm also a chaplain at a hospital uh, Trauma one center called Truman Medical Center which is our safety net hospital in Kansas City Missouri hmm. so
1: awesome and that's, and
2: that's where I'm at today
1: So you're you have your hands full then I do yeah. I do Well yeah go ahead well uh, yeah Jose spent we spent about 45 minutes just talking before recording about this and now I want to ask him, Another 45 minutes worth of questions after what I already have written down. But I, <laughs> you know, we gotta save some time for I'm sure he has other things to do. Uh, talk about a spiritual practice that's been meaningful for you or you might recommend to others.
2: Well, um, with Story Wagon, you know, the whole focus of storytelling is the discipline that we're trying to help people with. Because number one, um, in chaplaincy, especially military chaplaincy, we, we try to f- um, look at the person whole person mm-hmm. and try to put in different domains of health uh spiritual health is just one domain but it's interconnected with all like physical health yeah. social health and mental health and um especially in a time such as a pandemic being socially distant uh quarantinings and uh shelter in place kind of orders you know um really kind of got us away from connecting with people mm-hmm. and one of the one of the best ways and that one of the oldest practices is storytelling. Yeah. Um, sitting there listening to somebody's story and sharing your own story with that person makes a deep social connection, a deep emotional connection, mm-hmm. which in turn develops into a, a spiritual connection with one another. So um, that that is the key thing that I think is one of the biggest spiritual disciplines that we can practice today.
1: That's good. That's yeah, good. Do you like, my son likes it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk more about story wagon. Tell her, yeah. tell our listeners kind of how it came to be like, and you know, I don't hey, how much Dad, logistics you want to share, but I read three wagon. Sure wagon. Okay.
2: Jose's going to share <laughs> his wagon. The story wagon came about, um, through my work at, in chaplaincy. So being in chaplain, we are in institutions. So military chaplains are in the military. Hospital chaplains are in the hospital. Prison chaplains in the prison. So a lot of our work is done in that institution. Well, just like what I see with church is that we need to get out of those institutions, out of those walls um, to help uh, people heal. Because I was seeing people coming through the doors of the hospital dealing with, uh, trauma, dealing with moral injury, dealing with issues of resiliency, uh, and they wouldn't have countered this idea of spiritual health until they got to the hospital. And I was like, we, we we need to we need to be proactive. And to me, a lot of the issues that we're dealing with, such as gun violence, sexual assaults, um, the police brutality, it's because people are no longer seeing each other as sacred or creations. Uh, of of God, and so uh, to bring back that sacredness into one another, teaching people about spiritual health uh, helps. I think would help better the world in that way. Uh, not necessarily professing Christ, you know, even though I'm a Christian, but just just meeting people and say, hey, you are a spiritual person, and that person, your neighbor, is a spiritual person. Let's let's start to recognize that. Let's uh, let's get connected together. So. That's How Story Wagon came about, and so, like, uh, I was like, okay, so what's the best vehicle or way to get?
1: Yeah, I was just gonna ask the, the word out about <laughs> that. You got to share that,
2: yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, when I think of peace and love and happiness, I think of the 70s, I think of the hippies, and I, I you know, I a lot of my childhood was grown up in California, Southern California, and you know, the VW bus is like. Well, VW in general, bugs, buses, uh, type threes, you know, uh, they're very popular in California. And so I just remember, uh, I want to bring that, you know, I want to bring that peace and love and happiness today. So, uh, found a VW bus in California and like, Hey, let's make it into a recording studio.
1: (laughs) Now, does the, this is a question I have. Does the Hmm. bus run? Yes, it does run, right? Right now it's
2: it's uh um in the shop getting a, uh, the roof fixed cuz it had like a a leak in the roof. And uh, but we 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 do have it run and um we took it up to general assembly uh and drove it up there. So
1: Yeah, I think I I'm pretty sure I sat in it. So general assembly for those unaware is the kind of national gathering for the Christian Church disciples of Christ. And he had he had story wagon there and it was just what a, it was just such a cool thing. So talk me through like I don't know what obviously Dad, COVID has been in its own thing, but like that. what have you done? Have you do you like drive it in neighborhoods, uh, to locations? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so um since COVID hit, uh as you know, the military was um very active and is very active in the distribution of uh of the vaccine and trying to set up hospitals and things like that. So I was activated actually, <laughs> uh, during COVID. And so, um, for the past, uh, 182 days, I've been in Germany, um, uh, doing chaplaincy stuff there, uh, helping, helping the air force, uh, you know, with the spiritual health aspect of what, what we need to do. Uh, so I haven't been doing any kind of driving on the bus. Hmm.
1: You've been busy. You've been busy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But we we kept up on like um, producing resources. So we have a podcast where uh, we talk about some of these deep issues uh, within spiritual health, uh, grief, and resiliency. Just to, so I've been doing that. I recorded some. Episodes over in Germany with local folks there. So I think all all in all, it helps people to hear other people's stories and how they're dealing with certain issues and connect and be like, Hey, maybe, maybe I need to try what they are doing, or I need to find help somewhere else, you know, that sort of thing. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What are, do you mind, obviously names and details? We want to keep confidential, but can you, can you share some of the ways you've seen it impact people?
2: Yeah. um, So there's been one episode that I really, I know that it's really helped a lot of people and well, there's a few. So one was about pre perinatal, uh, bereavement
3: hmm. and, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: talking about, uh, the male side of things, you know? Yeah. So, uh, that episode, there was actually a few guys that connected, reached out to me and wow. said, wow, I'm glad you had that episode. Even though, even though uh, Tabitha Johnson was the the speaker, she uh, she's a pastor here in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh-huh. She's written about this, but she spoke about her own husband going through this perinatal perinatal bereavement. Wow! And you know, as as men, you know, we really don't get to talk about that a lot. Yeah. You know and so these men kind of reached out to me and said hey i'm so glad that she mentioned something about it and you guys are talking about this you know is there any other ways that we can get more resources and things like that so um yeah so that was like one way uh of that so like when you have an issue and you are able to verbalize it that's when you can start helping uh yourself and helping other people with it so
1: yeah that's so good jose i know uh My wife and I, she lost a pregnancy and it was fairly early on, but still it's just so weird. Like just the whole, the whole process was just so weird and hard, but Mm -hmm. you know, because at least in my experience, it was so early on, it was, you know, it was like, it's hard to it's hard to even get your mind around. Mm. Um, yeah but uh, that sounds like a great resource um you you've kind of touched on this already but share if you can just to kind of about the power of storytelling and sharing our stories
2: right so for instance just you know with um the perinatal bereavement you know it it allows to name things when you're storytelling Mm Like if people are are talking about a certain thing and um some people when they when they're able to tell their story they're able to make uh, sense and meaning out of whatever happened to them you know yeah uh, and, and this is good work like in trauma work <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and, and um, you know we we've done a little bit uh, work of trauma-informed care and talked about it within the story wagon community um, but you know just to let your listeners know majority of you have dealt with trauma some way some form yeah uh, as a child and even now, all of us collectively are dealing with this trauma called right. COVID nineteen. Right. And so, um, sometimes when we're not able to come up with the words, it causes more anxiety. Hmm. It causes yeah. other mental health issues such as depression and uh, you know things of that nature. And so, and, and then the spiritual health issues could be like a loss of hope, yeah, uh, moral injury, you know, things of that nature and so storytelling helps people bring words to that event or to these events you know to these feelings and uh it just allows a healing process to begin
1: yeah quick for our listeners for those unfamiliar tell uh, about moral injury
2: yeah so moral injury is basically um an event that transgresses your morals Mm -hmm. so um a lot of people there's been a lot of study through the veterans affairs in this issue because of the war yeah uh, that we've had for a very long time yeah. and a lot of soldiers and sailors and marines and airmen were coming back with post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and they would go through the um evidence-based treatments and um but they were still dealing with this issue and the psychiatrists and psychologists were like well why is, it, why is this thing still going on? And so Jonathan Shea, who is, the, uh, is, a, is a, a, a Dr. Jonathan Shea, he is a professor over at, um, I think, the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And he was doing some studies on uh, Vietnam veterans, and he wrote a book called um, uh, Odysseus in, in America, and, mm-hmm. um, and he came up with this term called uh, moral injury, and talking about how these soldiers— Uh, were coming back from Vietnam and um, may have done things that were against their moral code. And even though they were were going through these treatments that uh, they were still suffering from uh, like anger issues, anxiety, grief or Mm -hmm. guilt, shame, you know, things of that nature. And so he coined the term moral injury. And so uh, fast forward a little bit, Dr. Rita Nakashima-Brock wrote uh, Soul Repair, and talked was talking about it from a spiritual health perspective. So, uh, so that's the, you know, as a chaplain, I was very interested in this, uh, especially during my time at the Mortuary Affairs and Dover Air Force Base, and dealing with uh, the airmen that were dealing uh, struggling there, um, and working with the families and things like of that nature. And yeah. um, while I was doing hospital chaplaincy. I was seeing some of these same symptoms from gunshot wound victims, interesting uh, people, people who are experiencing uh, sexual violence, mm-hmm. sexual assaults, and things like that. And it's like, oh yeah, of course, moral injury is going to happen to people who are uh, in these situations. So, yeah, so that's why StoryWagon we focus all of this on this because I think it's a a, a topic that we need to kind of like share for everybody.
1: Let me dive into that a little bit more if, if I can. I'm thinking okay. of, have you ever seen the Clint Eastwood movie, Grand Torino?
2: Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I,
1: that's a movie that I don't watch actually for a seminary class, but that's a movie that comes to mind when I think about moral injury uh, in the way his, I don't remember what his character's name was is I remember at least that he was so so kind of guilt ridden mm-hmm. by what he had done in the Korean war and in yeah. some ways, the end of the movie, at least as I understood it, was about kind of him making amends, um, mm. sacrificing himself for his kind of transgressions. Um, mm-hmm. Really, kind of interesting story. I also wonder if I, and if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like moral injury can. It's not just something that happens on the battlefield that can happen, in in all areas of life. And and. There's a story that comes to mind in my own life, and I've never really um, connected it with moral energy, but I sort of wonder. Like, once I was working in a call center for a credit card company, and I remember like uh, someone called and was like, "Hey, I was in the hospital, or my family was in the hospital, something like that." And um, you know, my I made a late payment. Can you refund my my fee? And in that company it was only like if they were a profitable customer or whatever and i remember like the course they asked to speak to a supervisor and i remember like we didn't actually give them a supervisor we just like transferred that to someone else within the department and i remember one of these my like senior more seniors uh coworkers, he took it and he's like hey you did you did the right thing and i just like knew deep in my heart and soul i did not do the right thing and that's that sat with me so long mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that, is that fair? Is that kind of?
2: No. Yeah, that's exactly, Hmm. that's exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, just to kind of give you another, like, so there, there, there's the perpetrator Mm -hmm. that uh, actively transgresses. Uh, There's the uh, perpetrator that uh, allows something to happen and doesn't do anything about it. So, there are th- those types of folks that that suffer from moral injury mm-hmm. but then there's the bystander hmm. and then yeah. there's there's uh, the victim or the survivor and so those are the four uh, categories that moral injury can happen so a lot of times we we're focusing on perpetrators mm-hmm. so people going to war they actively engage in combat kill somebody come back you know and they're they're dealing with that uh, what you're talking about is a Uh, the perpetrator that, that didn't do anything, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you just kind of passed it along sort of thing. Right. And I had a, uh, I heard a story of a, of a lawyer that had struggled with the same thing where they were the lawyer of a insurance company Mm -hmm. and they were defending their insurance company, uh, against this person that was claiming, uh, for medical bills Mm -hmm. and by all rights that this person deserved that money. But their lawyer wasn't arguing for the right thing. And, and this hmm. guy knew which thing that this lawyer should be yeah. arguing for for them to win. Well, ultimately, the plaintiff lost. Mm-hmm. And so even though the guy was doing his job protecting his client, he still felt this guilt, yeah, this shame that, you know, because his moral was uh, the rule of law that right. justice should prevail. And right. He, he worked against that. You know, and so uh, he was suffering from moral injury. And hmm. it, it's just like uh, people who witness uh, sexual assaults or mm-hmm. abuse when they're younger, you know, through trauma, they often feel deep guilt and shame because they couldn't do anything about it. They were yeah. bystanders. Yeah. You know, uh, so, you know, just expanding out this idea of moral injury and what ways it can impermeate into a person's life, you know, uh,
1: can help. It's really good. It's really good. So I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Like the storytelling then function as almost a confessional. I mean, is that even a fair? Yeah, correlation
2: function or lament. Lament. Yeah. yeah, so there's lots of other uh, practices. Even even gratitude shows up in storytelling. Oh, Okay, you know, so the practice of gratitude. So we we talk about all these spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. you know, and we try to isolate them, but they're not siloed. They, I mean, they're they're integrated mm-hmm. one one another, and so, um, but the act of storytelling allows us to to really deepen those. Uh, Together, you know, in community, and that's the biggest thing with storytelling. It's about community, Mm -hmm. uh, community developing and and connection. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's why I love storytelling.
1: Yeah, well, let me uh, let me ask some kind of um, logistical questions, perhaps. Again, I'm thinking, you know, we're kind of coming out of COVID. Uh, as of we're recording this, what are, what month are we in? End of May. End yeah, May. Month of May. I think. And um, in my context, churches are starting to slowly regather. Some, at least. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, as you're listening, you'll be back in person, barring some kind of crazy, you know, spike or variant, whatever. What do you think? Because there's all this conversation about what does post-COVID church need to look like? You know, we need to re-examine and and re-understand what church is going to be. What opportunities do you think, um, do you see for churches to integrate more storytelling opportunities?
2: Mm. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I think we need to get back to is like getting back to the basics. So like these... uh, you know, I, I, when when COVID first came out, I, I was hearing the stories of development of these pods
1: mm-hmm. of people. <laughs> right, right, yeah,
2: you know. It, and you know, I was like, oh wow, what a what a creative way to kind of keep that social uh, health going. Mm-hmm. You know, having those pods of folks. Um, you know, when when people are starting to meet outside, you know, we're talking about environmental health. Uh, yeah, because we need to we need to go outside. We need to connect with nature and that sort of thing. So, like just getting back to that, because before in my mind the church was so focused on uh, Sunday centric worship services.
3: Yeah. Yep.
2: Right. Uh, maybe they would have a program of Bible study or a program S- small of discipleship. groups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was a program. It wasn't like you know, like something that it's felt mechanical Mm -hmm. versus organic and a process of relationship building and development. Um, So like, I think COVID, the pandemic just made churches stop in its tracks Mm -hmm. and for us to really think, okay, what is the essential part of being church, not doing church, but being church, Yeah. you know, so uh, just getting back to those organic processes is 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 i think the way that we need to go
1: yeah so i think what if if i can what would that look like practically speaking like i'm wondering like um on a sunday morning like this is something that i was trying to do in my church uh towards the end of covid or was like i'd give a message and, but rather, I'd, try, I'd, I'd give some questions at the end of my message then invite people on Zoom to discuss that. Like, what do you hmm. think, could could that be a thing for church where it could be, a there could be a Sunday morning event, experience, whatever word we want to use, worship, yeah. service. Uh-huh. But rather than just being all talking and lecture and uh, preaching, there actually be, yeah. like, there's a message given and it's like, hey, let's break up and discuss it.
2: Right. Yeah, um, that that's a good question, because, I mean, that's a question that we're dealing with the church that, that I planted. It's called Missio KC. Yeah. And one of the things that we're really focusing on is, like, how do we develop the rhythms back?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Right? Yes. And, and so, like, how do we get back to, uh, uh, you know, recreating with one another? How do we get back to eating with one another? How do we get back to— and. And as people are getting more vaccinations and people are getting, uh, the, the herd immunity, quote unquote, Yep. yep. uh, how do we, how do we get back to those, those places? Cause to me, that's where the message you can talk about the message and you have a Sunday service event, but to really live it out is living it out rhythmically in life. Mm-hmm. The everyday, the ordinary, not the ordained day, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to figure out. Um, cause it's important to gather and it's important to, mm-hmm. um, you know, preach the word and talk about Jesus, uh, in a Christian context. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for us, it's like, okay, so how do we, how do we incarnate that in today's world, uh, safely mm-hmm. <laughs> for everybody yeah, and, and things like that. So I, I like your idea of that. Um, what we're, we're, what we're going to pro- probably plan on doing is throwing out like a, A short podcast, Mm -hmm. and then um, separating out into these small groups, uh, neighborhood centric sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. um, You know, live live life through that. You know, and having meals together, and having Mm -hmm. prayer together, and blessing one another, and all the all the rhythms that we need to have in life, uh, just in a smaller context, and be decentralized.
1: Yeah. You know, one of those, this is a story that I probably shared on this podcast before, but I think about like, it's been 15 months since I've been to a gym probably. Mm. And I was like a four to five, like going to the gym person. And now I'm like, hmm, I have my COVID shot. You know, should I think about, you know, I could go to the gym. I used to like going to the gym. Do I want to go to the gym? Yeah. Speaking of getting back into those rhythms, but I've, I've so adapted and retrained myself that I've, I almost have to like rethink when is going to be my gym time. What's that going to look mm. like? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I'm also struck. I wanted to just highlight this to Jose because I was thinking about what you said about lament, mm. and I'm sure that you can as a chaplain you know, would feel the same way, but I think about how much tra- you you said it trauma there's gonna be from these past 12, 15 months and how much our society is gonna wanna just kind of rush back into quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm struck by the importance of making space for lament in church. And again, I mean you know this probably just as well it's not better than me that so much so often churches just don't make, like, that's not a thing. Like, it's just like, praise Jesus, God is good, and, you know, hallelujah. (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so, like, for, yeah, and I think the church needs to get back to that. Yeah. We need to get back to this idea of, like, we are a spiritual health place, Mm, you know, where people can find healing and compassion, and so... Helping churches develop language. That's another reason why Storywagons around is that we want to help religious communities and spiritual communities develop that language so that people can start naming the things that they're feeling. So, yeah. one of the biggest things that we've talked about is disenfranchised grief mm-hmm. during this pandemic. Yeah. A lot, a lot of things changed for a lot of people, um, but. You know, some people are not recognizing it because uh, it might be small in people's eyes, and so they don't right. allow themselves to be right. for it. So, right. like you're talking about not going to the gym. I mean, that is a change in your life. That's <laughs> yeah. a transition in your life. Yeah, so, uh, a lot of people that that was their community. Like, yeah, yeah. I know I know. In in when I was in Germany. Uh, they're they're really strict on their lockdown <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: and their social distancing. Right. And so all the all the martial art groups could not meet together. Mm-hmm. And for uh, a lot of people within the Air Force and the in the military, uh, the our the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu group that that I I normally worked out with over there, uh, that was their family. That was the that was the connections that we were making. You mm-hmm. know. And they were feeling this this uh, this tenseness or this. Uh, conflict in themselves is like well I really miss those people yeah I really miss my friends but I need to suck it up and drive on because everybody's dealing with this well no you can grieve for it it's called disenfranchised grief you know and so just allowing that kind of language the other thing uh, I've been helping people understand is about ambiguous loss and Hmm. frozen grief yeah and during the pandemic uh, a lot of patients at the hospital that I was working at uh, they could not visit their families uh, in the hospital yeah. because of the lockdown, especially in the beginning. And so, their family members passed. And you know, when it, when you're dealing with ambiguous loss, you know that you know in your head yeah. that this person's gone. Yeah. I mean, he... You you haven't seen them. You don't you don't get to say your last goodbyes or mm-hmm. nothing. There's no closure, and so right. it freezes the grieving process. And and so. Uh, ambiguous loss happens. And so like when people started hearing that language and like, oh, that's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. You know, um, it, 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 you can see like this liberation happened for them,
1: man. This is such good stuff, Jose. I appreciate you sharing this. I'm just thinking about, of course, disenfranchised grief. And I'm thinking about, man, the ambiguous loss and the, the frozen grief, I think makes so much sense. I'm thinking about, you know, there's been so much, um, obviously so much turmoil and, uh, disruption over the last year. And I, I think back to so much of the, the racial justice stuff during the summer. And I can, mm. I, I know, it, especially for me, I think, uh, as a white man, I think it was hard to try to find that, that I don't know if balance is the right word. Um, mm. but cause obviously like, uh, I don't, this is just a hard pastoral care thing. I guess I would, from my perspective, I'd say Jose is like acknowledging and grieving for, um, you know huge injustices happening in the world and especially like we experienced our nation experience over the summer with so much of the uh, injustice toward african-american persons but then like you said it, it yeah it can be so hard to try to make space for then your own kind of mourning and grieving like you're talking about um
2: yeah there's there's a lot of grief happened because of that and then also the political environment
3: yeah
1: uh
2: so many so many families that have been separated, not mm-hmm. only physically, uh, but ID ideologically. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, and the only communication that would have, would have been done was over, uh, electronic means. So right. Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it's caused a lot of rifts in families. And so, yeah. uh, there's a lot of moral injury that occurred because, you know, maybe you saw this person as a, um, uh, as a role model mm-hmm. or you know and now they're saying these political these ideologies maybe they they're just repeating it but you know all of a sudden now it's like ah oh, that's totally against what i believe and yeah. you can't you know yeah. and and you start arguing on facebook and then it just it just leads to separation and now you grieve for that person even though you might not recognize it yourself that you're grieving that hmm. relationship you're, you might be saying to your head, Oh, good riddance. I didn't need that person in my right, life. Right. Right. That person helped develop you, you know, or that person was an important part of your life, and now you don't have them. You can grieve, but you're not allowing yourself to grieve. And so all this anger and resentment and just all this emotional stuff is just like locked inside, and, and it's just causing all kinds of issues for people. Man, and, that's
1: so good. It's, I'm just thinking of, <laughs> I'm thinking of like my high school youth pastor who was very instrumental in my, you know, in my growth and ministry career, even like Mm -hmm. it's kind of gone off the deep end. Uh, I won't say for our listeners, but you can probably get a sense. And that it's just been kind of hard to see.
0: Mm -hmm. So,
1: well, we could keep on going. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with closing questions. All right, we're back with Jose Martinez and uh, Jose, I tell folks, uh, you can take these closing questions as seriously or not as you'd like to. Um, uh-huh. But if you're Pope for a day, what Pope do you want to do? A you know, What does that day look like? That kind of thing.
2: Mm. Well, if I could have the clout of the Pope for a day, yeah, I definitely would want to uh, meet with uh, all the religious leaders that I okay. could that day and talk about approaching spiritual health in the future <laughs> mm-hmm. for people. Uh, that's, that's one of the key things I think, uh, the Pope has that kind of clout.
1: Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, give a, a theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life. Mm.
2: Wow. That's, that's a real good one. Cause there's, there's so many, uh, people that I would want to meet. I think the main person since I just got back from Germany is mm-hmm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer.
3: Sure. Yeah.
2: Um, he had so many, uh, great ideas. And I think if he would have lived past the war that the church would have been shaped differently, uh, because of his
1: ideas. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place?
2: Uh, on the positive side that we were adaptable mm-hmm. and that we were able to rise to a challenge relatively quickly to help as many people's, you know, even though the, the situation is still dire yeah. in, in other countries also. And right. so it's like, but we, we've we innovated so quickly mm-hmm. to develop this vaccine. Um, on a negative note, they they will remember how uh stratified we were you know <laughs> separated yeah. Yeah.
1: you know um yeah yeah so, that's yeah. good what are your hopes for the future of christianity
2: that we adapt and that we connect and um understand that the church isn't dying the church is transforming hmm i think that's the biggest message that we need to hear yeah as christians is that the church isn't dying because we're losing buildings and stuff. The church is just transforming. And God is already at work in this world mm-hmm. through different movements. Yeah. They might not be Christian movements.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: But God is in there nonetheless.
1: Yeah. You know, that. I, I every time I hear that, I just reaffirm to people. That's basically an answer that I've heard again and again from people. And there's something there, Jose. There's something there because people are seeing that. They're seeing that, and they're sensing mm-hmm. that. Well, uh, where can folks find out more about StoryWagon and yourself?
2: Yeah, so uh, you can reach us at our website, uh, StoryWagon.org. Make sure you spelled wagon W-A-G-E-N. Mm-hmm. And people say, "Well, you spelled wagon wrong. No, it's it's Wagon, but it's because <laughs> we we have a Volkswagen bus. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so StoryWagon.org." Um, we're we can be found on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and for myself, you know, uh, newchurchministry dot org. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find find uh, how to connect with me on there. Uh, so, J Martinez at newchurchministry org is a good place to go. So, if you're interested in the the spiritual health, the community spiritual health stuff, or Uh, in new church ministry stuff, just please reach out to me uh, and I'll answer as soon as I
0: can.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And who knows? He's got a lot going on. So it will be as soon as he can with all that. (laughs) So thanks so much, Jose. Really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate your perspectives and uh, may God's peace be with you. And
2: also with
0: you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is produced by Torn Curtain Arts in partnership with Resonate Media. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit futurechristian.com. If you've enjoyed the show and you think it would be valuable for others to hear, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That really helps more people find us. Thanks again, and go in peace.